guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. So at this point in our liturgical season of Lent, marking something like a halfway point, it's customary for the churches that are preparing some members for baptism, the catechumens who are going to be receiving their sacraments of initiation as adults, to take them through a process called a scrutiny. So a a more intense, introspective consideration of, of what it is that is about to happen to them and what is going to be required of them as members of the church. We will be doing those uh, for the Hispanic community at the 10 o'clock mass. So they're not here with us this morning, but I'd still like to share some of the thoughts that I've prepared for them as it's always a, it's a helpful thing to consider in, in its original way, what it is that all of us are also called to be. Right? When, when we see someone making that decision or hear of someone making that decision to, to repent, be baptized as an adult, there's a renewal that, that's offered to us as well. And so this particular, this particular Sunday is the second scrutiny, and it actually uses a different set of readings than the ones that we use uh, for our regular masses here. It speaks of the decision of God to choose King David. As you may remember, David was the youngest son of seven of the sons of Jesse, And the prophet Samuel was sent by the Lord to anoint one of those sons as king of Israel to replace Saul, who had betrayed the Lord through his disobedience. But the Lord warns Samuel before he goes to the house of Jesse, don't look for someone of noble aspect or great stature, because I do not judge as human beings do. Man pays attention to appearances, but the Lord sees the heart. This is a particular case that we hear again and again down through the ages in the scriptures that also our Lord Jesus Christ explains to us. Many of the first will be last, and the last will be first. To enter into the church through baptism is to, is to, in a sense, profess your alliance with the kingdom of God or respond to the invitation. Rather, it's not something that we do on our own initiative, but always is a response to the grace of God. Nothing we do earns us a place in his kingdom. But having been brought into that kingdom, we, we respond, we, we affirm the, the reign of Christ and the particular characteristics of that reign. Under the reign of God, we have made a break with the reign of every other king, of every other realm. Under the reign of God, the reign of the Holy Spirit, everything becomes new. And the order to which we had been accustomed is inverted. The old ways of advancing in the world, the old ways of growing and becoming more powerful or extending our our influence, things like riches or knowledge or eloquence or experience, knowledge of human nature, cleverness, none of these 
now work under God's reign. What was honored before Christ is now dishonored. What was a failure before Christ now is successful, is fruitful. And what was great before in this new reign, the reign of God, is now small or insignificant. So Christ has established a new reign that is not like any other kingdom. In fact, it's the opposite of every other kingdom. This is the beautiful hymn that Mary cries out as she receives uh, Elizabeth's greeting and the child in her womb leaps in the presence of her Lord. He has cast down the mighty from the thrones and has lifted up the lowly. To the hungry he has given good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. This is, the, this is the tone, this is the quality of this new reign. And this is the reality. This isn't something we imagine, but the truth, the fundamental truth of reality from the moment that Jesus sent out his blessings and his graces over the world, poured them out from his place beside his heavenly Father after having ascended there and given us his Holy Spirit having risen from the dead and conquered the reign of evil. These are the invisible powers of the heavens that we now fight by. Truth. Meekness. Justice. All of these things poured out from heaven upon the earth are fighting and conquering under the guidance of him who is the first and the last. He who lives, who was dead, but is now alive for ages of ages and and holds the keys of death and of Hades. So we know this, we recognize it, but do we live according to it? Have we conformed our lives to the qualities of this new kingdom that Christ has founded? This isn't something we should look at as, as having been the case in the past, We are the children of God. We are the soldiers of Christ. His reign, his kingdom, is within us. It's among us. It's present. And we are part of it. It's not something simply historical that we recall. So how do we we live this out? How do we conform our lives to this kingdom and its reality? Jesus has shown us. He's taught us both by his words and by his example. He who among you wants to be great must be your slave. And he who wants to be first among you will be your servant. In other words, the way to rise in the Lord's kingdom is to descend. In this kingdom of God, there's a connection, a mysterious connection between advancing and humiliation or abasement. If we serve the humble or the despised, if we assist the afflicted, if we carry ourselves well in the presence of people we find difficult, or if we put up with insults or ingratitude, 
And if we return good for evil, then we are, in a sense, acquiring power over the world according to the laws of God's kingdom and rising in the hierarchy of his creatures. The Lord has established this as a law. It's simply the way things are. We know that his, his tools and his instruments and his weapons are, are poor and despised. These are the things he chooses to use. And the world does not know them. It doesn't recognize them. His, his chosen people, his instruments, his collaborators, they don't achieve great things. In fact, it seems as if they, they fail. It seems as if they fail in everything that they do, including their religious life. But they rise through their falls. We don't see the connection between their activity, their prayer, their sacrifice, their hidden faithfulness. We don't see the connection between that and some, and some exterior effect. But it's there. It exists. It exists invisibly, according to the will of God, in his invisible and eternal kingdom. We rise by falling. And the reason for this is that there is no greater humiliation, no more profound abasement than that of our Savior, who did not come to serve, to, did, not, did not come to be served, pardon me, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen, amen, I say to you, says the Lord, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sends him. If you know this, you will be happy if you practice it. So too, St. Paul speaks of this command of the Lord in his letters to the Romans. Beloved, he says, never take your vengeance, but give way to the, to the wrath of God. Because it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Because by doing this, you are heaping burning coals upon his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. This is the form vengeance is to take in the reign of God. Blessing. Generosity. These are our invisible weapons, our spiritual instruments. And the world does not understand this. It cannot. Nor does it understand where such power could exist or what purpose there could be in it. So too, in this reign of God, we look on ourselves differently and understand ourselves in a way that is completely inverted from the way the world would do so the way perhaps obtained before the reign of the Spirit. When a person looks upon themselves and sees their sinfulness, when their beauty or their goodness appears to have vanished from their lives, and all of their gracefulness and all of their, all of their virtues have withered, when a person feels repugnance with themselves, 
and rebels against the inclination to think of themselves and, and reflect on themselves. When all their merits appear to them dust and ashes, all that uncleanness. Really, in that scenario, this person is rising in the reign of God through self-abasement. According to the words of the Lord to the prophet Daniel, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day in which you set your heart to humiliate and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. May we remain and persevere in this fixed and settled vision of the way things are in the world. As soldiers who want to work to advance the cause of Christ in the world. If we persevere in this way, no one can conquer us. Our enemy cannot do anything against us. As long as we do not leave off pursuing these, these, these ultimate qualities and characteristics of those who belong to his kingdom, patience, meekness, purity, and interior peace, just as did the saints down through the ages. And for those of us who want to work for God in this, in this difficult time, this threatening time, be careful of anything that would distract or take us away from faithfulness to this simple obedience to Christ in his kingdom, the laws of his kingdom. For he who is of firm purpose, the Lord guards in perfect peace, because he, conf- because he trusts in him. Trust in the Lord forever. Because in the Lord, our God, we have an eternal rock. We pray today for those, as they, in these final weeks of preparation for their baptism, make that very choice. And may their choice strengthen us in our resolve to follow Christ to the very end and persevere in his kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.